Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards, Impact Cyber Church. You know, these last couple of weeks, we have been taking you down this journey, and we started talking about the forgotten name of God. And we talked about how the children of Israel had forgotten who God was while they were in captivity. And man, doesn't that really happen to us all? We get under pressure. We get in captivity, so to speak, captivity to finances, captivity to uh, uh, health problems, captivity to relationship problems. And we get what I call spiritual suicide. I mean, a, a spiritual amnesia. We forget who God is and who God wants to be in our circumstances. So today we're going to dive back into this. And you know, today we're going to be talking about the, uh, what I call is all good. You know something, everybody wants a good life. And I want to show you how you can stay connected to God, have an incredible life, but not get off track because you have a good life. You know, a lot of people will get off track if, if, if they have a good life, but that's, that's a heart condition. That doesn't mean God doesn't want them to have a good life. It means their heart, if it's corrupted, will not let them have a good life without without messing it up in, in some spiritual way or some other way. So hang in here with me. We're going to be talking about how to have the very best that life has to offer, but not getting off track in the process. Now, all faith, and remember, everything about relating to God is about faith. We talked about this um, uh, last week, and I think we talked about it the week before. And, and the, the Bible is very clear that there is no participation with God other than through faith, because faith, as much as anything, is trust. You cannot have a relationship with someone that you do not trust. Now, that, that doesn't mean that God is rejecting you. It doesn't mean that God is against you. It means that you can't connect to Him. It is impossible to connect to God personally if you do not trust Him. That's why the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Now, many people connect with their theology and think it's God. Many people connect with their denomination and think it's God. Many people have emotional experience and think that, they're, that it's a spiritual experience. But I'm telling you, if you don't trust God, you cannot connect to Him. It's just like in a marriage. If you don't trust your spouse, y'all might spend time together. You might interact. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, uh, nothing ever happens between you and God, but I'm saying there is no real relationship. There is no entering into the very best that God has because no matter how hard he's trying to bring it to you, you can't do it. Got to know who God is. Now, we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. The children of Israel, when they were in Egypt, they had forgotten who God was. I'm not saying that they had become pagans. I'm not saying they had no knowledge of God at all, but it was more of a nostalgic memory of how God interacted with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than it was with God being the living God who is present with them right now and in their situation. And you know, when you get into, into bondage of any kind, 
like I mentioned earlier, if you get into financial bondage, if you get into health bondage, if you get into emotional bondage, if you get into relationship bondage, and by bondage, I just mean you get bound up into something that's not working, it's destructive, it's not taking you where God wants you to go. And if you stay there too long, you will start forgetting the goodness of God. Now, I want to tell you something. You never want to be in a peace vacuum. In other words, you never want to be uh, where, where you lose your peace because it is in peace that you're able to hear God. It's in peace that, you're, that, that you uh, really have even spiritual insight and spiritual discernment. And, and so we want to live in peace because if we don't, eventually, after we're in conflict and stress and, and difficulty for any great length of time, we'll get to the place to where we, we just we can't even remember what it was like to know God as our deliverer. We might nostalgically remember that he did something, but eventually we'll get to the place where we will even deny the real deliverances that God had given us in the past. Now, the children of Israel, and this is so important, you know, they had really forgotten who God was. And so they began to relate to him pretty much the way the pagans related to their gods. Now, th this, is, this is really important. If you are not having your own personal encounters with God, eventually you will begin to imitate what the people around you are having. Because there's this part of you that wants to know God. There's this part of you that wants to experience life connected with God, experiencing His power and this sort of thing. So what, what happens if we're not having that experience, we're going to come up with some type of substitute. We're going to come up with some type of religious activity to make us feel like that we're connected with God. And so usually we're going to take on the beliefs and the ideas of the people around us. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. They started viewing God the way the uh, uh, Egyptians and the other pagans viewed their gods. And this is why God had to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and directly to Mount Sinai so he could begin to explain, express the differences between who he was and who all of the other gods were because they were lumping him into being like all of the other gods. Now, now the problem is, and we, this happens on such a subtle level. Listen to what I'm going to say. Write this down. This is one of the most key important things that you're ever going to, uh, that you're ever going to hear. And you may not believe it, you may not agree with it, but I guarantee if you write it down and look back at your life five years from now, you'll realize it's true. You will come, become like the God you believe in. Whatever your concept of God is, that is ultimately the kind of person you will become. If you believe in a mean, hateful God, you'll become a mean, hateful person. If you believe in a religious God, you'll be a, a, a religious person. If you believe in a judgmental God, you will become a judgmental person. We transform into the image of God that we, that we hold in our heart. And sometimes the only way we can break free from becoming that person that we don't want to be is just reject 
any idea of God, declare ourselves to be atheists, declare it all to be a bunch of religious hooey, and then go try to be somebody with no knowledge or image or concept of God. Now, the Israelites had been, had been slaves. You know, it's really interesting when you think about the fact that Moses, that, whom God chose to bring the children of Israel out, you know, Moses was not raised as a slave. He was raised as uh, Pharaoh's daughter's son or adopted son. So he, didn't, he never saw himself as a slave. He never saw himself uh, as, as being in bondage. And so when he went out, uh, finally, you know, left Egypt and went out and, and to, uh, became a, a Midian shepherd, then he wasn't there struggling with, with low self-image and, and, and struggling with uh, 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 being afraid that God was going to try to kill him and all those kinds of things. Now, the children of Israel, they were raised in bondage. And we know that that's a type of bondage to sin. Being in Egypt is being in the world, and the, and the bondage of the children of Israel represents us being slaves to sin. Now remember, sin isn't just about doing stuff wrong. Sin is about you being or seeing yourself as less than you really are. And so the way we see our God has so much to do with the way we see ourselves. You see... The children of Israel, they saw themselves as slaves and they saw God as a main taskmaster because that's what all of the pagan gods were. All of the pagan gods were, were masters. They weren't, they weren't fathers. They were, they were masters. And all of the sacrifices to the pagan gods and everything you did in connection to the pagan gods was try to, uh, an attempt to try to appease their wrath, to, to, to keep them from killing you. To basically, and we talked about this actually earlier this year in some of our broadcasts, basically it was like, what have I got to do to keep you from killing me? And what can I do to get you to do something good for me? That's, that's the concept of the slave-master relationship that the children of Israel uh, had seen with the gods of Egypt. And so they were just going to project that over onto the God of Israel. Well, that's not who the God of Israel is. Now, I want to tell you something. The more you see God as love, the more you see God as someone who is for you and never, ever against you, the more you see God the way he really is, the more you can actually accept yourself the way he sees you. You know, I've been in the ministry 45 years. Uh, man, you know, you, you see a lot of things. Actually, a little over 45 years. You see a lot of things in 45 years. And, you know, when I first went into the ministry, one of the things, because I was always trying to help people, that was my goal. I, I never had this desire to build a ministry. I just had this deep, passionate goal to help people. And, and I want to help people have a connection with God and have the life that God was offering them through Jesus. That was, that was pretty much, that's pretty much my goal. Well, the problem becomes then, um, how do you influence people? How do you, you know, how do you get people to make this journey? How do you get people to start believing in themselves? Well, I, I'll tell you what, it's all about the degree that they perceive you have value for them. You see, if, if people 
perceive that you have no value for them, then, then every word you say to them is filtered through that mindset and, and contributes to a lack of self-worth, a lack of feeling valued and, and love. God's love is all about value. Uh, so so if, if your God is someone who has no value for you every time you make a mistake, instead of your deliverer who, is, who will always try to get you out of the situation, if your God is someone who, who sees your sin as a reason to kill you, instead of seeing your sin as what is killing you, and he, he, he wants to give you power to overcome it. In other words, how you see God is going to determine ultimately how you see yourself. So what, you know, what, we're live, what, what the children of Israel were living in is exactly what we're living in, just a little bit presented a little bit differently. You know, today we are living in an atheistic society. We are living in an anti-God society. And, you know, almost everyone has, even though they might say God loves me or they might say God is good, when you start talking to them about how that works out in real life, when you start talking about what go, when things go wrong in their life, how do they interpret it? How do they understand it? Uh, at, at the end of the day, most people really don't believe God really is good. They don't believe that, that He is always seeking your best. They don't believe that He is really always, always for you. Uh, they have a view and opinion of God that is not based on God's testimony of himself. Now listen, let me just take a minute here and remind you because I'll forget and, and I want to give you a chance to participate in this. Don't forget, and I think we're only just a few days away from it, World Changer Weekend. Uh, if you want to be a part of it, man, be in Huntsville, Alabama, the 20th, 21st, 22nd of, of July. We're going to get together and have the wildest party you can have that's godly. And we're going to worship God, share the word, minister to each other, and have an incredible time. So be sure and check it out. And, uh, uh, you know, Watch our website because we may be able to get this where we can uh, where we can live stream the messages. I don't know. We'll we'll be working on it, but just watch for information about it if you're not gonna if you're not gonna be able to come. Now, <clears throat> we are so the, the the Western world is is dying, probably to some great degree, dying emotionally because of our inability, our unwillingness, our fear, our lack of knowing how to connect to the human beings. Now, you know, one of the first things that God said about man, it's not good for man to be alone. Now, if that was one of the first things God recognized about man, one of the first negative, one of the first threatening things that can come, then, then you realize this, this, must be, this must be pretty important that God pointed this out. See, we're social, emotional, relationship-oriented beings. That's how God created us because that's who God is. God is social, emotional, relationship-oriented being. And, and everything, is, everything is about relationships. And, you know, this, this is why the farther we get away from true family values, the more dysfunctional and corrupt and mean and angry and murderous our society becomes because, because if we're not meeting that need for, for intimate connection, then, uh, then we're going we're to try to 
feel right about ourselves some way. And, and, and that way may be illegal. It may be uh, immoral. It may be ungodly. It may hurt other people. But we're going to try to do something with this incredible lack that we're feeling if, if we're not connecting relationally. So you see, God, from the very beginning, you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden and, and, and you know, all the way through the patriarchs and all the way to the children of Israel, God wanted a relationship. That's the only reason God created planet Earth and put man here is because He is love and love requires that it be given to someone with the capacity uh, uh, to receive it and to experience it. And so, and so, you know, the angels, they do not have the capacity to experience God's love the way we do. They can observe His greatness. They can experience and observe His power, His splendor, you know, all of these different aspects. But, you know, I don't know if they can at all actually experience the love of God, the way that we can, they can observe it. They can talk about it. They can, you know, they can recognize that God is loving, but I don't know if they experience it because love can only be experienced by free will agents, by people who make their own choices, by people who, who can, if you can't reject it, then it's not love because love is, love is all about being open. It's all about receiving. It's all about recognizing the value. It's all about reciprocating. It's all about relationship. So if it can't be rejected, if the, person, if the, if the being doesn't have the capability of rejecting it, then they don't have the capability of, of experiencing it. So, so God is attempting to have this incredible relationship with us wherein we experience His life. We experience... Uh, a quality of life that comes from the inside out. And you know, this, this is, this is going to get me off track a little bit, uh, but that's all right. You know, we'll, we'll, just, we'll just turn this into two messages and I'll get into it next week. But you know, one of the things that, that is so interesting, remember I started out by saying that you, that you, you can't, you, you know, faith gets down to knowing who God is. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about His character and nature? And as we talked about over the last couple of weeks, you know, if you don't know the names of God, then you have no basis to interpret the things that He did throughout the Bible. You don't know why He did them. If you don't accept Jesus' testimony of God, what He taught, what He lived, what He preached, all that, then you have no basis because Jesus Himself is the ultimate expression of, of, of who God is. So God is this relationship-oriented being. God, is, God wants to connect us at this, at this heart-to-heart level. But, but I also want you to realize God wants you to have an incredible life. You know, it's, it's an amazing thing to me. And I'm, I, you know what? I'm going to get way off track here, but I just kind of feel in my heart just where we need to go. You know, the, the, the Hebrews, even the legalistic Hebrews, had a better and more biblical concept of how God wanted us to live life than the church does. Because the Hebrew, do you realize that the very first commandment that God gave man after, after, after he sinned, after, after he fell, after he was expelled from the garden, you would think God would just beat him up for about a thousand years. No, his first thing was be fruitful and multiply. Well, you know, I can remember as, as, a, as a young preacher going to Bible school, you know, we were just taught that that meant go have a bunch of kids and populate the earth. No, being fruitful is talking about living in abundance. It's about succeeding. It's about expanding uh, uh, your reach, so to speak, not, but, but not in a greedy way. 
Not in a way that I'm trying to replace God. Not in a way that I'm trying to, to, to fill my life up with something so that, so that I don't have to depend on or rely on or trust in God. You see, God, even after man sins. See, God, keep in mind, the only time we've ever seen the perfect will of God done in planet Earth was in the garden. Now, if it was God's will for you to suffer, man would have been suffering in the garden. If it was God's will for you to be sick, man would have been sick in the garden. If it was God's will for you to be in conflict and in your life threatened all the time, then the, there would have been wild animals that would have killed you in the garden. None of that was there. In the garden, there was peace. There was life. There was joy. But more than that, there was intimate connection between man and God. So if God had wanted sickness and disease and hardship, if that's what he wanted, then that's what there would have been in the garden. People say, yeah, but after that man failed, he, and you know, he, he had a sin nature, so, so that God changed his mind. No, God doesn't change. If he changes, he's not God. If he changes, he's a liar. And like the scripture that we read to you a couple of weeks ago where Paul told Timothy, he says, look, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because if he doesn't remain faithful to what he said and who he is, then he denies himself. Now, so, so a Hebrew worshiping God in life was about living this incredible life, enjoying life to the fullest every single day. That was a testament to who the Creator was. That's an, a testament to who God was. Now, you, you jump down, you jump down, you would think that Jesus coming, God sending His only Son, God demonstrating through Jesus, who was the perfect, exact representation of God. He was God in the flesh, healing all the sick that came to Him, you know, delivering people that were in sin without beating them up or criticizing them, uh, helping every person that came to Him with a problem, never turned anybody away. Now, there were people who turned away. There were people who didn't get healed, but that was never because Jesus rejected. You would think after we would see it, we'd go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. God does really love us and God is always good. Well, ironically, you know, when, when, when Catholicism first started, I'm not trying to attack Catholics. And I realize that where the Catholic Church is today is light years away from where, from where it was in its beginning stages. And I also realize that, that whatever the hierarchy of any church or any denomination believes, uh, that their congregation doesn't necessarily believe the same thing. But, you know, the, the Catholic Church in, in its beginning was the universal church. And by universal, it's sort of like we will incorporate all of the religions of the world into this and kind of under the banner of, of, of Jesus. And, um, so, but Catholicism did not follow what Jesus taught, did not follow the apostles' doctrine. Catholicism, instead of, instead of believing that you were made righteous through faith in the Lord Jesus, they brought their cult beliefs. Asceticism is, is, a, is a cult uh, a belief or philosophy that says that, that everything material is evil and all pleasure is evil. And basically, we're supposed to go through this life suffering so that we can purge out all of the wickedness. Well, you know what? That, that diametrically opposes everything that Jesus is. And so this ascetic doctrine filled early Catholicism. 
And this, this is why people did penance instead of repentance. They did penance. They paid for their sins. They suffered for their sins. This is why they came up with the ungodly, unbiblical teaching of going to purgatory, where you got to go suffer enough to eventually get to heaven. Well, Jesus suffered so we don't have to suffer. Jesus paid for our sins so we don't have to pay for our sin. Jesus was rejected of God so we could be accepted of God so we could have this incredible relationship with him. But here's a sad thing. You know, all denominations, and you know, you got all these people that are pounding the Catholics, but here's the deal. You know, all modern denominations pretty much came out of Catholicism and sadly brought many of these unscriptural doctrines into their belief. And the real truth is the majority of Christians think that the road to holiness, the road to godliness is suffering. That tells me you don't know who God is because you cannot prove that based on the names of God. You cannot prove that based on the live teaching, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You can't prove anywhere that God wants you to suffer or that, or that suffering is even the way. Now, you can, you can twist it around and make it seem like that's what it's saying. But you know something? Listen, I, I, I want to help you move past this. I want to help you move past this waiting for the other shoe drop. I want to help you move past this. You see, that's why Jesus says, make disciples. That's why we have hundreds of programs that you can see anytime for free on our website. That's why we have all kinds of material. You know, I have people tell me all the time, Jim, you got more free material on your website than any place I ever go. We are here to make disciples, people who can build their life on the teachings of the Lord Jesus, his interpretation of what God said, his interpretation of how to apply God's truth to your life. Because he wants you to have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say, I want you to have less of a life. He said, I want you to have a better life. I want you to have life abundantly. So here's the deal. I have made a way. And yes, it costs us money to do this. And, you know, and so I have made a way for you to have access to thousands of dollars worth of material that we use to train and to develop and to teach people. Through Impact Unlimited, I am creating what I call transformational workshops. And we're starting with one of the most important ones first, Essential Heart Physics, where I will coach you through 30 days of life transformation. And you will, at the end of 30 days, if you work this program, I'm telling you, very few people have less than a tremendous experience. And the majority of people connect with God for the first time. So you go to my website, impactministries.com, click on Impact Unlimited, or, you know, you can just type in impact un or moveyourboundaries.com. That'll take you to Impact Unlimited. And I want to tell you something. You can get your name on the list right now to be a part of a transformational workshop called Essential Heart Physics that's going to be all about helping you get it in your heart that God's good and that God's only good. Helping you connect with who Jesus really is and how much He loves you. Getting, bringing you to the place to where you move from the realm of, I know this scripture and I know what this scripture says, to the place to where I can hear it. Jesus saying this in my heart. Instead of being able to quote a scripture about living in victory and power, you have that 
absolute certainty that his power is in you. Listen, be sure and check this out. And I've been sharing this with you for the last few weeks. I am just passionate to help you come to a place to where the only mediator between you and God is Jesus. And when you begin to experience him in your heart, he will connect you with God the Father in a way that no preacher, no church, me, nobody else can, but he can. I want to help you connect with Jesus in your heart. That's, that's the hope of glory. That's the hope of you being who God says that you really are. Man, got some, got some great things we're going to do in this journey together. So be sure, get your name on the list because we're going to launch this program right away. And you stick around. Next week, we're going to, we're going to go into something next week about, about how we have corrupted ourselves with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's going to be freedom for you. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.